Hi, everybody, and welcome to Study Apply Thrive. I am Vita Cash, your host. This podcast is called Study Apply Thrive because when you study and apply the Word of God, it will cause you to thrive in every single area of life. So go ahead and grab your tea, your journal, your pen, your electronic device, your Bible, and everything that you need to enjoy this Bible study. Now, I'll warn you, you'll hear me making a lot of pauses today in my speech. And I promise you, I'm not nibbling on a scone. I'm not having a cucumber sandwich. But it's my attempt to keep my voice even and calm because we're talking about something pretty heated today. We're going to be talking about finding the language to deal with everything going in our nation, going on in our nation, finding the language to describe how you feel, finding your footing so that you can speak up for those who are oppressed. We're going to be talking about Black Lives Matter. And so the pauses that you hear is me keeping my passion at bay, me keeping myself calm. So don't think, is she eating a sandwich over there? I am not. I want to be as clear and concise as possible. So thank you for listening. Let's get ready to dive into the Word of God. We are in month three of shelter in place, of quarantine, of stuck in the house, of not hugging on people that we care about, of not physically meeting um, for brunch and going to the museum and going to church and worshiping with our friends. We're on month three of this. (laughs) And I don't know about you, I am ready to get back to some sense of normal life. And I don't know what normal will even be at this point. And this really has nothing to do with who I'm going to minister today. But I just want to give you guys a little little chuckle, a little funny before we get into the word of God, because we're going to talk about all of the civil unrest that's going on in our country right now. And it's something that we need to talk about. And it may be uncomfortable for some of you. And if it is, you have to check your heart and say, why does talking about racial issues make me uncomfortable? But before we get there, I'll tell y'all a little funny story. It's not even really funny, but you guys know I'm so cheesy with these little jokes so just act like it's funny on my behalf about two no last weekend I got dressed I put on makeup I put on Spanx I put on clothes that fit I didn't put on leggings I didn't put on jeans and I was so grateful that I mean I put on jeans I didn't put on leggings I didn't put on yoga pants I put on actual jeans I was so grateful that they still fit because I've been eating a lot during COVID-19 and I got all dressed up I did my hair had on diamonds and pearls and pulled out one of my nice handbags and I got in a car and guess where I went to pick up to go food from a local restaurant. <laughs> Didn't even get out of the car. I was just so tired of wearing a t-shirt and leggings or t-shirt and a, uh, or leggings and a tunic or a t-shirt dress or, you know, yoga pants looking like I'm working out when I'm not doing anything, going down into the gym, watching Pastor Russell work out as I cheer him on, as I sit there eating grapes or something like that. And that's just what sometimes you have to make a decision to do something different. You have to make a decision that even though the environment that I'm in doesn't warrant what I'm doing, I'm going to go the extra mile simply because I'm worth it, because my family is worth it, because the people that I care about is worth it or are worth it rather because my community is worth it. And that leads me into what we're talking about today. And the title for today's podcast is Finding the Language. Um, There are a lot of people feeling a lot of different ways right now. And there is a phrase that I absolutely dislike. And it's it's the phrase is, I was feeling some kind of way. And some kind of way means that you haven't taken the time to identify how you feel and more importantly, why you feel. 
And with everything going on in our country right now, with the death of Mr. Floyd, with Black Lives Matter, with the protests that are not just happening in the United States. And by the way, there has been a protest in every single state um, in our country so far. Um, there have been protests overseas in Europe, in Asia, in Africa. There have been protests all over the world for Black Lives Matter. And some people just are having a hard time articulating how they feel. And specifically for you as women and some of you who are listening are moms, your children and your teenagers might be having a hard time putting into to, to language how they feel. Your husband or your brother or your dad might be having a hard time putting into words how they feel. And you might be having a hard time putting into words how you feel, but I want you to take the seriousness of that and see how important it is for you to find the language of how you feel during this time. And not just for this, but if you're grieving or if you're in any kind of emotional situation, you have to begin to look deeper to find out why you feel how you feel. And there are going to be times where you're like, Pastor Vita, I cannot, I've dug as deep as I can dig and I can't find anything. And and that's when you just begin to cry out to God because the Bible says that God understands even our moans and our groans and God doesn't need our language to for us to communicate with him. He gets it. He knows what every single one of those tears means. He knows what those grunts means. He knows what those moans mean. But he has empowered us with his glory, empowered us with his spirit, empowered us with his power to empower other women and to empower other men and empower other people. And so the language that we're looking for is not so much for us to be able to talk to God, it's for us to be able to change the lives of the people that we care about the most. And when we learn how to find the language for how we feel, we can then help somebody else do the same. We can help our children begin to articulate how they're feeling, begin to help our teenage boys and our teenage girls to articulate how they're feeling and help each other work through this process. There are a lot of different things going on. And if you're on social media a lot, or if you look at the news a lot, you'll see a lot of different opinions being bounced back and forth. And you have to find your footing and where you stand on all of this. And I know that you stand on the word of God, but there are also different interpretations of even what the word of God says when it comes to race relations and when it comes to Black Lives Matter and when it comes to this and comes to that. And I want to encourage you to find your footing on where you stand. Um, so before I get, I, I'm just giving y'all a lot of tidbits on today. Before I get into finding the language, I want to just talk about Black Lives Matter and why it's important for you to be bold enough to say that. Because a lot of times when we say Black Lives Matter, people say, oh no, all lives matter. Well, yes, all lives do matter because Jesus died for all. He died for every single person in anyone. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there's no race, there's no gender, there's no ethnicity, there's no social or uh, financial status that you have to have in order to become a born again Christian. And so in the eyes of God, all lives do matter. However, when one, the Bible says that God leaves that the, the shepherd, a good shepherd will leave the 99 to go get the one. And when the shepherd is going to get the one, the other sheep don't go, hey, wait, all she's, uh, all sheep matter. <laughs> God says, no, all sheep do matter. But right now, this one needs our attention. This one needs our help. And that's what Black Lives Matter means. It means that right now, the people who are suffering, the people who are 
um, more likely to be killed by the police. They need our attention. And I understand that the whole Black Lives Matter movement is talking about defunding the police and that. And with that, we're not going to get into all the details of that on this particular podcast. But I want you to understand that when you say all lives matter instead of Black Lives Matter, you're devaluing the life of Black people. For example, if you have someone in your family, let's say your grandmother needs a kidney transplant and, you know, Grandma Lucy needs a kidney transplant and we're talking about kidneys. Well, nobody in the family is going to stand up and say all kidneys matter. Well, yeah, all kidneys do matter. But right now, Grandma Lucy is the only one with the bad kidney and Grandma Lucy is the only one whose life is in danger. So we don't need to have a conversation about the health of everyone else's kidney. We're trying to find a solution for Grandma Lucy's kidney. Grandma Lucy is the only one at this particular point who's in jeopardy of losing her life because her kidney is bad. So do all kidneys matter? Yes. But at this moment, the priority, the one that's most prevalent, the one that needs the most attention right now is Grandma Lucy's. And the Bible talks about treating the feeble as the weaker vessel. And it talks about the shepherd going after the one. There's so many, it says when, when your brothers mourn, you mourn with your brothers. Um, when somebody's hungry, you feed them. When somebody's thirsty, you give them water. When somebody's in prison, you go and minister to them. So the Bible talks specifically about ministering to those who are in need of ministry, not telling them to get over it and lumping them in with everybody else. And so if that's offensive to you, if Black Lives Matter is offensive, to you, I'm going to challenge you to find the language as to why that is, because that is something being able to identify that a certain group of people need something is something that's coming straight from the word of God. And that leads us into today's lesson in Exodus. We're going to talk about when the people of Israel were coming out of slavery and God is raising up Moses to lead them out. When the people were in bondage, when the people were slaves and the Egyptians needed to come out, that the children of Israel needed to come out from the Egyptians, God didn't say to Moses, all human life matters. He says, go tell Mo, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go, to let this particular group of people who were suffering, this particular group of people who were being treated unfairly, this particular group of people who were not being paid fairly, they were being murdered by the Egyptians. They were being beaten by the Egyptians. Their children were being taken from them. He raises up a leader to go and lead those people out of that particular situation. And in, in Genesis, I'm sorry, not Genesis, in Exodus chapter three, verse seven, it says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt and have heard the cries by reason of their, of their taskmasters, for I have known their sorrows. And so God isn't saying I've heard the cries of everybody on earth. I've heard the cries of every human. He's talking specifically about the needs of the Egyptians at that time. I'm sorry, not the Egyptians, the needs of the Israelites at that time. So God has a heart for people who are suffering. God has the ability to see people where they are. And then he has a plan to bring them from where they are to where he designed them to be. But if you sit from a seat of I'm colorblind, if you sit from a seat of everything is the same for everybody else, you're limiting God's ability to use you to help someone else because you won't even acknowledge that there's a problem. And when you are a person who won't even acknowledge that there is a problem, you have automatically become a part of the problem. 
Oh, Pastor you that sounds harsh. Yes, you are a part of the problem if you can't acknowledge that there is a problem. If you can't acknowledge that things are not fair, if you can't even acknowledge, I'm not asking you to come up with a solution, but just be able to acknowledge, hey, things aren't fair for this group of people. If you can't do that, then you're a part of the problem. Because our God did that in Exodus, uh, all throughout Exodus, and he raises up um, He raises up Moses so that Moses can begin to lead the people out. Now, Moses was an Israelite, and then he was raised in Pharaoh's house. And you guys know that story. His mom put him in the basket, and he went up, and he was raised. And when he came into the full knowledge of God and what God needed to do, he broke away from his political party. He broke away from his lineage. He broke away from how he was raised. And a lot of times when it comes to racism, people say, oh, well, that's just how a certain group of people were raised. We, we were just raised that way. We were raised to think differently. But there is not a single adult alive who does everything like their parents do. And most of us, when we are kids, we say, when I grow up, I'm never doing that like my mom. I'm never doing that like my dad. And then you follow through on that. And so just because you were raised a certain way doesn't give you the excuse to not change your thinking. You have the ability to be the ability to be exposed to something new and to do something new because we all, every parent has done that. Every single parent is doing something differently with their children than what their parents did with them because we have the ability to change. God has given us the ability to change. In um, Psalms 119, it says, how can a man change his ways by adhering to every word of the word of God? And so there is a way for you to change. And so here God is raising up Moses to begin to do this. And if you look at Exodus chapter four and verse 10, now after this, he's seen the burning bush and God is talking to him and God is giving him signs and wonders of his power. And he's asking God, well, God, who should I say sent me? And God told him, I am the great I am. Tell them that the great I am sent you. And Moses is having these conversations with God. And here in verse 10 of Exodus 4, it says, and Moses said unto the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent, neither thereunto. I am not eloquent, neither hereunto, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, who has made man's mouth or who maketh the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. That's Exodus chapter four, verse 10 through 12. And so Moses, there there are two schools of thought here, two schools of thought. The first group uh, school of thought is that Moses had a stuttering problem and that he was not a good, eloquent speaker. And he's saying that himself here. Another school of thought is that Moses was an excellent speaker because he was raised in Pharaoh's house and he had the best education possible and he had gone to the best schools possible. Well, he they didn't go to school, but you get what I'm saying. He had the best tutors. He had the best curriculum, but that because God was so awesome and because God was showing him great things and God was speaking great things to him, he was stuttering at the awesomeness of God and not that he had a speech problem, but in the presence of almighty God under the umbrella of almighty God, he was humbling himself saying, God, who am I to go and speak? Looking at your wonders and your greatness, who am I to go and speak? And God corrects him and he says, 
Don't say that. You know, who who made the dumb? Who made the 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 person who couldn't talk? Who did this? Who made your mouth? Who does this? He says, go and I will be with your mouth. And notice he doesn't say, I'll be with you. He said, I'll be with your mouth. I will fix your mouth to be able to say what you need to say. I need for you to trust me. And I will tell, and it says, and teach thee what thou shalt say. God said, I'll teach you what to say, but you have to have a willing heart to see what I'm trying to do, to see that I'm trying to free these people. And if you would just align yourself with my mission, align yourself with what I'm doing in this season, I will prepare you to be able to speak. Now, God is challenging Moses to find the language. He's challenging Moses to get in line with his will, first of all, and then challenging him to to find, to dig deep, to find the ability to say something about what's going on. Now, let's look at the same, um, not the same account, but let's look at something similar in Luke chapter 12. Look at verses 11 and 12. And it says, and when they bring you into the synagogue and into the magistrates and the power, take no thought how or what things you shall answer and what you shall say for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. And so here in the Old Testament, God is telling Moses, I'm going to be with your mouth. I'm going to help you speak. Here in the New Testament, the Bible is saying the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. When you go before magistrates, when you go before powers, when you go before politicians, when you go before town hall meetings, when you're going before your school board, going to challenge the curriculum at your kids' schools for history and things like that, he says the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say in that hour. And that hour is not a specific time of day. It's a particular season of life. He said, when things are going on, I'll tell you exactly what to say. And so what's the point in all this? If you are willing to open up your mouth and say something, if you're willing to put language to how you're feeling, to put language to what you see happening in the world, to add Bible to it, to allow God to download some things to you so that you can share it with your family, with your community, with your state, with your politicians, with the world through social media or however you usually communicate with something, God is raising up a group of people who are willing to use their voice to change what's going on. And that change has to begin with you by you first identifying how you feel about things. And then once you identify how you feel about things and you get clarity as to God, how God wants you to feel, because how you feel and how God wants you to feel may be two different things. And so you're not just going out blurting about what. Well, I feel like this. Well, no, this is what God is saying. And so you have to first be willing to put some language into what you are feeling so that you can check that through the filter of the word of God. And there... There's nothing wrong with how you feel. However you feel is how you feel. What happens is when you're unwilling to change how you feel, when God shows you that you're wrong, if you're unwilling to do that. So for example, if this whole situation is making you fearful, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. He's given you power, love, and a sound mind. So if you're afraid every time your son, go, your African-American son goes out, if you're afraid every time your husband goes out, if you're afraid every time you hear your brother is going to work or your dad is going to work. Well, God has given you power to pray over them. God has given you power to vote the people out who don't support people who look like you. God has given you power. And so if you feel fearful, that's okay for a moment, but you have to be willing to get out of fear by allowing the word of God to bring you peace and allowing the word of God to bring you wisdom and instruction. 
And so don't get caught up on, well, this is how we always felt about it. I'm from the so-and-so family and we're from this particular neighborhood and this is how it's always been. How it has always been doesn't mean that's how it always has to be. Think about the children of Israel as they were coming out of Egypt. Most of them were born into slavery. What if they had all said, well, this is how it's always been. What about slavery in, in the United States? What if the people who did the Underground Railroad and the abolitionists like Frederick Douglass says, well, this is how it's always been. Just because it's always been a particular way doesn't mean it has to stay that way. And we thank God for the lives of Dr. King and all the other John Lewis's and all of the other people who have fought for the rights of people. But if you don't open up your mouth and say something, you can't be a part of the change. So I need for you to find the language first about how you feel and then about how you can articulate the plan of God, even the little part that you know, to bring hope, to bring truth, to bring wisdom, to lead people to Christ with other people. So here are the four areas that you need to be able to find language for the four areas. So first, you need to understand what you need to be saying to yourself. You need to be honest with yourself about how you feel. I'm angry. And if you're a woman who is, you know, you're you're real prim and proper and usually don't get angry, you might need to say, I need to be angry right now because anger will motivate you to do something. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. And what that means is just don't sin when you're angry. So there's nothing wrong with you being angry. If what you're seeing on the news, reputable news, real news, if what you're seeing is making you angry, then say, I'm angry. Identify with that. Own that. If you're afraid, God, take this fear away from me. Begin to find the language about how you feel. Because you have to be like David. You're going to have to motivate yourself sometimes. You're going to have to encourage yourself. And you're going to have to be able to find the language to do that. You're going to have to be able to do, and this is the easiest one, to know what to say to God. God moves by our prayers. The effect, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And when we begin to pray, we have to go to God with bold prayers. God, break this spirit of racism off this country. Father, raise up new leaders to replace racist leaders. Father, give us leaders who have your heart, who care about more than two or three issues in the word, but who are willing to address all the issues in the word, including fair treatment for all people. God, change the way that we do that. You have to go to God with bold prayers and believe God to move mountains, believe God to move miracles, because that's who he is. When Moses said, who should I say sent me? You, he said, to, I am the, I am that I am. I am the great I am is what God said. God's like, basically, don't put any limits on me. Don't try to put me in the box. I'm not just Jehovah Jireh. I'm not just Jehovah Dis Tiskanu. I'm not just Jehovah Shalom. I'm whoever you need me to be at this time. And we have to begin to pray those bold things to God. But like I said earlier, God understands your cries. He understands your moans. He understands your tears. You just have to take them to him from your position of prayer and say, God, I don't know what to say to you, but I know that you will give me the words on what to say to myself and on what to say to others. We have to be willing to find the language. You have to have something to say to your close circle, the people closest to you, your spouse, your children, your nieces, your nephews, your besties, your mom, your dad, your, 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 your whoever. They're looking to you 
as the anointed one. They're looking to you as the one who's the carrier of their of the glory of God. They're looking to you, that person who goes to study group all the time, that person who goes to church all the time. They're looking to you to have some hope. They're looking to you to have some wisdom. They're looking to you and you have to be willing to say something. It can't be business as usual. You can't just, you know, be talking about bacon, bacon, chicken and macaroni and cheese. You have to be able to speak to the pains that people are feeling right now. People need a place of hope. They need a place of assurance. They need wisdom for their lives. Why not you? Why that? Why does it have to be someone famous? Why does it have to be a pastor? Why does it have to be an evangelist? Why can't it be you? In Romans, the book, uh, the the book of Romans says that the word is nigh thee, even in your mouth, the word of faith that you preach. He's talking to everybody that we have the ability to preach the word of God, and there are some people around you who need that. And then you need to find the language of what you're saying to the world. You're sending a message to the world, either through your social media or the the world, the immediate world around you and your community. What are you saying to people right now? And I'm not in any way suggesting that this needs to be the only thing you're talking about. If your child is graduating from high school this year, you can celebrate that. If it's your child's birthday, celebrate that. If it's your birthday, celebrate that. I started out by telling y'all I put on real clothes. Let's talk about that. I put on real clothes and they fit and praise the Lord for that. Let's talk about that for a minute. The fact that I put on some makeup, you know, I'm not saying this has to be the only thing you talk about, but if it comes up, you need something to say. If it comes up, you can't all of a sudden get quiet and be like, that's not my business. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to offend anybody. Why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because this is a very present situation for so many people and so many people are hurting and the bible tells us to mourn with those who mourn rejoice with those who rejoice cry with those who cry and it is tone deaf and insensitive for us being believers us being filled with holy spirit to not have anything to say about what's going on come on we're better than that we have a god that lives on the inside of us and we have to be willing to say something so you have to find the language Now, language is defined as a method of human communication. It's not just words. It's verbal communication, but it's also body language. It's also written language. So you're, when I say find the language, it doesn't have to always be words. It could be something physical. You find the way to, to minister to your children. If your children are anxious about what's going on, if they don't understand, sometimes it's being in cl- close proximity to them. Sometimes it's giving them the hug is the language that they need to feel comforted at the time. Body language um, or written language. You might not be a talker but you can write a blog. You might not be a writer in that way. You can write a personal something in your journal just to begin to process how you feel. But you have to be willing to find the language about what's going on in your heart and in your mind during this time and then be willing to share that with other people. Now, here's something. Silence is a language. Silence is a language. Silence is consent. So you shouldn't as a believer, and especially if you're a leader, you have to have something to say right now, because when you say nothing and it's just business as usual, it seems as if you are in total agreement with what's going on. You're fine with what's going on, with with what's going on. And I'm sure you're not. So even if your simple thing is, I don't like the situation and I'm praying about it. I don't know enough about the politics of it, but I'm believing God to fix this. 
I agree that we need to stop killing our black men. I agree that the police should not be using excessive force. Just say something, but don't sit back. Business as usual, especially if you're a person who's always on social media and you post three, four times a day, every day, and you haven't said anything about what's going on and all you're posting about is the sale that you caught and, you know, God is filling your cup up to it overflows. You come across as very tone deaf. You come across as being uncaring. You come across as being insensitive because your brothers and sisters are suffering and you have no words of comfort for them. And that's not what you want. You have to be willing to say something because silence is consent. And then the last thing I want to share is that I want you to be patient with people who are in the process of finding their language, in the process of figuring out how they feel. Don't force people to feel how you feel. Don't go into it. Don't you think that? Don't you feel like people are going to feel differently? And you give them the space to go through the process of figuring things out. And if they are having a hard time with that, then you share the word with them. If you know they're a believer, you don't know how to feel about this. Let me show you what the word says in Exodus. Let me show you what the word says in Luke. Let me show you what the word says in this. And you be patient and help people find their language. And you can develop a glossary of language about, and you can carry it around. Put on your smartphone. If you have a note section in your smartphone, you can help people process. Well, are you angry about it? Or are you sad about it? Do you feel trepidation? Are you concerned? Are you anxious? Are you fearful? And you just begin to help people process how they feel. Because as believers, we are called and anointed to leave people better than how we found them. We are called to be the carriers of the presence of God, the carriers of the grace of God, the carriers of the glory of God. And we should never go into an environment and people's lives aren't made better because we're there. And during this time, people need to hear from believers who can minister the truth. And the truth is the situation is ugly. Let's not sugarcoat it. It's ugly. The truth is that people are coming together and it's not just black folks coming together. It's people of all races, of all genders, of all ethnicities coming together. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's the truth. So let's celebrate that. The truth is uh, that this needs to stop. The truth is that there are politicians in place who are allowing it and turning a deaf ear. The truth is that there are some churches and ministers who are turning a deaf ear and not saying anything. We have to minister the truth. And then we have to minister the hope that even though those things are the truth, God's word can come in and create a new truth. The anointing of God can create a new truth. The anointing of God, the plan of God, the glory of God can come in and create a new truth for us. Because the truth is the children of Israel were in bondage. But then a new truth came when Moses was able to get his words together and go and follow through with what God said to him. A new truth is that God delivered them from that. And God called them out of that. And he had miracle signs and wonders every single step of the way. And so you might be in a present truth, but that doesn't mean that God can't give you a new truth. And so you have to be willing to minister the hope that God will fix this, that God is working on hearts, that God is changing things, that this country is in a state of turning. And I'm, I'm focusing all of this on what's going on right now, but this can be the truth that you share with someone who's grieving. You can say to them, I know your heart is heavy right now. I'm heavy with you. I'm in this with you, but 
it, at some point, God's going to bring relief to you. I don't know what that relief is going to look like for you, but God's going to bring you some relief. God's going to bring you some hope. God's going to restore your joy. You begin to minister to people to bring them the truth and the hope. And you always bring the love of God, of who God is, and allow people to feel your love and allow people to feel the love of God through you. So you always bring the truth. You always bring hope. You always bring the love of God. And so as you go throughout your day and as you go throughout looking at social media and all this stuff, I want you to ask yourself, where is your voice in all this? Get in the mirror and talk to yourself and say, girl, look, we ain't going to be scared anymore. We're not going to lose any more sleep over this. We're not going to lose any. We're not going to be anxious anymore. And you go through the word and you find the remedies and the solution for all of that. And then you prepare yourself and you ask God, God, how can I now take this of what you've given me, the peace that you're giving me, the hope that you're giving me, the truth that you're showing me? How do you want me to articulate that to other people? Do you want me to do it publicly? Do you want me to do it in a small circles? Do you want me to do it just with my family? How do you want me to do that? How can I lead people towards you? How can I point people towards you? God, how can I do that? How can I do that in this hour? Because in Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, you promised me the Holy Spirit will tell me what to say. Well, the Holy Spirit will teach me what to say in this very hour. So God, what's the word for this hour? God, what's the hope for this hour? God, what's the, the truth for this hour? Now give me the words, give me the language, give me the ability to boldly communicate that to others, be it written language, be it verbal language, be it body language. God, give me the ability to impact someone else and begin to minister that to other people. People. Make sure that you're creating the language with God, that you're praying diligently about you and your family, but about the world, about the politics, about the hurt families, about all of it. We can't leave any of it on the table. We got to take it all to God. When we all bombard heaven with our cares and our affair, God will absolutely move. Begin to pray for those people who are not as far along in the process as you are, people who aren't as evolved as you, people who have haven't heard from Holy Spirit yet. Don't look down on them. Don't turn your nose up at them, but you begin to pray for them. God, give them the language. God, allow them to understand your heart and you're not judging them. You're asking God to show them in the way that makes sense to them, how they should be feeling right now, what they need to hear. And then I want you to pray about the presence that you have in the world. If you're usually not on social media, don't jump on social media just for this. Just be you. Be the real you. Don't all of a sudden create a blog just to do this. If you usually only post on your birthday and Mother's Day, keep doing that. But if you are a person who usually, with your true personality, if you're usually a person who's posting on social media, make sure you're bringing the hope and the truth and the love of God based on this situation to people. Make sure that God can trust you to be a mouthpiece for him to the world through the platform that he's given you. If you're in social groups, if you're in a mom's group, if you're in a professional group, make sure you're ushering that same glory of God, that same peace of God, the same love of God, the same uh, truth of God into those settings. Don't leave any corner without light. Make sure you shine the light every single place you go. And you find the language. You just start to talk it through with yourself. Talk it through with your journal. Talk it through in the mirror. Talk it through as you're working out. Talk it, just talk it through. And listen, don't allow yourselves to be oversaturated with all the stuff going on. Find one or two sources of information and stick to those two. Do not have 50 people feeding you information through social media, through blogs, through the news. You find two reputable sources. 
check in with those two reputable sources maybe every other day, not even every day, because things are not changing that quickly. Every other day, you pick two sources. It could be a news channel and then maybe a personality that, that you are familiar with. Let that filter into you. And if you are a person who never looks at the news, then just pray for God to be able to give you information or give you insight to read the room when you go into a room and you go into a room. We're not really going into rooms because we're a shelter in place. But when you're around other people, be it via Zoom or WebEx or whatever, and you see that people's hearts are heavy, you can't be the person. Oh, what's going on? You know what? What, what happened? You have to be a little bit aware of what's going on. And so if you're a person who usually doesn't read the news or look at the news, maybe once a week, just check in and see what's going on so that you can be sensitive to the needs of others. So you want, so you can minister to other people. It's not that you're trying to be a news junkie, but you want to be in a position to help other people find the language and help other people process what's going on because God is going to move. God is very strategic. God is going to move and God is moving right now. I'm saying he's going to, God is moving right now. He's moving on the hearts of people. Things are going to change. And I just refuse to change my confession. You might be thinking, well, we've been saying that since the 60s. Well, things have been changing slowly since the 60s. Things are not where we want them to be, but things have changed since the 60s. There has been some bit of change since the 60s. And so we're, we're, we want things to go expedited and that would be the fair thing to do. We're going to continue to push. We're not going to relinquish any position. We're going to be a rebellious leader like Jesus came in and he was rebelling against all the Jewish laws. We're going to continue to follow the example of, of Jesus and we're going to continue to fight for the rights of people and fight for the rights of black lives. And we're going to continue to fight for it because it's the right thing to do. And so as you pray tonight, I want you to pray for this nation. I want you to pray that God will raise up godly leaders. I want you to pray for those who are hurting. Pray for those who are directly affected by things. If you know someone who has specifically had a family member who has been unjustly uh, attacked, not even killed, but some people have been jailed unjustly and they haven't had their due process or they've been abused and through police brutality. If you know anyone who is as, who has dealt with that, pray specifically for them on tonight, for tonight, because these situations, every time there's a new, uh, a new situation is like them having to relive their nightmare all, all again. So just pray for their hearts, pray for their spirit, pray that if they don't know the Lord, that they do know the Lord, because we don't have any account of knowing if Mr. Floyd knew the Lord. And as bad as it is, I mean, it's horrific as to what happened to him. But it would be even worse if he did not know the Lord at the time of his death. And so we don't have the right to sit back and not be evangelists. We don't know when somebody is going to lose their life, when somebody is going to give up their life, when somebody is going to say, I'm satisfied. And so they want to go to heaven. We want to be sure that they know the Lord. That's one of the best things we can do. Not one of it is the absolute best things that we can do. And we need to even have the language for that. God, give me a learned tongue on how to minister salvation, especially during this time. God, teach me how to bring hope to people. Teach me how to bring your word to people. God, teach me. So I know the lesson today was kind of heavy. I'm, I'm a little bit more lighthearted, but we're in a situation in our country where we can't afford to just be business as usual. We can't afford to just, you know, well, let's just talk about tithes and offering. Let, let's sow your seed on today when there are people 
who are hurting. There are mothers who are terrified to allow their sons out of their sight and for for right reasons. And because that's not your situation doesn't mean there's not someone else's situation. And our church is um, headquartered in PG County, Maryland. In PG County, Maryland, our county executive is an African-American woman. The majority of our police force are African-Americans. A majority, a large majority of our uh, county executives and things like that are African-Americans. And so the culture here is very different than it is in other parts of the country. We don't have the luxury of saying, oh, that doesn't happen here in PG County, so it doesn't affect us, or it must not be real, or you don't know what happened before the tape started, or you don't, we don't have the luxury to do that. We have to rejoice with those who rejoice. We have to march with those who march. We have to fight with those who are in a fight. We have to mourn with those who mourn because that's what Jesus told us to do. That's Matthew chapter 25. That's what Jesus told us to do. And so if you live in a cushy part of town and none of this stuff ever happens in your part of town, praise the Lord for that. And I'm grateful for that. And that's where God has brought you to. But don't forget about all the people who don't live that way. And we have to, at the very minimum, be praying for them. At the very minimum, be advocating for them. At the very minimum, be bringing their request before God, being an intercessor, bringing it to them. We don't have the luxury to sit back and watch other people suffer and not do anything because it's not knocking on our front door. That's not who we are, Flow Church. We are better than that. We are so much better than that. So I'm charging you on tonight to begin to pray and begin to keep a prayer journal and ask God, just show me what I need to pray. God, give me language. Give me phrases. Give me hashtags. God, give me anything that I can do to bring your truth, to bring your hope, to bring your joy, to bring your love, and to lead people to you. Well, I pray that the word blessed you today. And again, I know I said this already. I know it's a little heavy, but that's what you, you can handle it. You, you're a strong woman. You're a spirit-filled, powerful, anointed woman. You can handle the heaviness of the truth because the truth is what we need. The word says that when we abide in truth, that it makes us better. And so we are able to handle this. And the truth is the word of God. And so we love you. We invite you to come and worship with us on this Sunday on our global campus at live.flow-church.tv. That's at 10 a.m. We have Children's Church at 1230 uh, p.m. We want you to go to our website, flow-church.org, and you can give there. You can learn more about this ministry. If you are not a subscriber to this podcast, please subscribe. Please subscribe. Help us to share the word with as many people as possible. We want you to be a subscriber and we want you to share it. There's a share button right there that you can share it. You can email it. You can text it. You can put it on your social media. But we have to begin to get the word out that it's time for us to find the language. I love you guys. I'm praying for you. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll see you guys on Sunday um, at 10 a.m. on our global campus. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.